Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I'm Peter Kafka. And thanks for listening to Recode Replay. This is one of the sessions from our 2017 Code Conference. We're going to let you hear it in just a second for free. You're welcome. But before we do that, we want to plug another conference. Okay, fine, if you insist. I must, I must. You must Um, insist. If you like this event, there's a very good chance you're going to like Code Media 2018. February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. 2018. I can't believe it's next year. Next year. Absolutely. Save the date. Peter and I will both be there, which means it's going to be a fantastic event. I've been to all of them and I have learned things. I would actually pay for them, Peter. We may charge you this year. Uh, One more time. That's Code Media 2018. It's like this event, but it's in 2018. February 12th and 13th. Go to events.recode.net for all the deets, as the kids say. As the kids say. Thanks, Peter. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Simmons with Julia Borston. How you doing? Oh. We're very disappointed not to be sitting on the, uh, the fancy yeah, they look red so chairs. Much more yeah. Um, so the reason why this was added and the reason why I get to do this interview is because you just announced a deal with Vox. I did. And um, why does this make sense? You were with Medium. Before that, obviously, you were with ESPN. Why does it make sense to partner with Vox, particularly on advertising? So Jim and I had known each other for, I think, for like five years. We'd always been trying to figure out a way to, to work with each other. We had some holes. We had to figure out. We wanted to build our own site. We had to figure out the amount of resources and money that it would take to do that and do it correctly um, and the, the weight that it would put on our staff trying to figure out what should be here, what should be there, all that stuff. You know, it was, it was ambitious, it was expensive. Um, we would have to build a sales team too. We had the money to do all that. But the question for us is, is that the best use of what we want to do for these next two years? Um, we want to concentrate on creating content, finding talent, and working with the talent we have. And we just felt like it made so much sense for us and I think for Vox too to kind of team up and figure out, could we partner up? They have the infrastructure, they have Chorus, which is I think the best web platform there is right now. And could we use that platform? Could we use their sales team and make more money than, than we were making from the website? Because the way, the way if you're gonna have a multimedia business now, you have to be able to sell yourself in, in a bunch of different ways. Like you just can't, words aren't gonna work. Like you have to have nine different things. Podcasts have been really successful for us. But you know, the website is the soul of the site. It's, it's where the ideas and the, and the talent for the most part are. And we just felt like, all right, can we leverage that a little bit? Does it make it easier for us um, to do all the other things we want to do? But so when you were fired from ESPN, you had lots of other options. I was not fired. You were not fired. Yeah, you I were, was not fired. Tell us. I don't know how that started that I got fired. Uh, well, yeah, they decided the not to renew my contract. They decided not to renew your contract. Yeah, but and, I already knew I was leaving. I don't know how that means I was fired. Okay, so you decided not to renew your contract, but you had lots of other options at other media companies. I did. And you decided not to take any of them, and you wanted to go it alone. Yeah, I mean, it's something I had been thinking about for a couple of years because you could... It's interesting, like when we started Grantland in 2011, and it was a desktop site, basically. It was a site we expected people to read on their laptops and in their office and things like that. And as we were creating it, the iPad happened. And then over the next three to four years, people are reading on their phones and iPads, all these different ways. And it was just changing. And we, and we could see it changing. And we could see Facebook and Twitter were ways to just push content out where people weren't even coming to the homepage as much. Grantland always had good homepage traffic, but for the most part, 
um, the content was winning and it wasn't the platform that was winning as much. And you could see ESPN was kind of the middleman in a lot of ways for us. They weren't doing the greatest job, I don't think, selling the site, especially the podcast network. And it felt like it was a bigger business than it was. And we clashed about it, you know? And, and um, now when you see what's happened to them over the last couple of years, maybe when I was pushing for more resources and stuff like that, now some stuff makes more sense than maybe it did in 2014 and 15. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a fun time to produce content right now because so many people are involved. Uh, everybody wants original content. Uh, voices can stand out. It's easy to find new talent if they're good. I think it was really hard to find talent 10 years ago. I think it's easier now. Somebody writes a good piece, it's gonna get forwarded to you or you're gonna stumble across it. And, uh, and it's a good time. It's just a really cool time to be a content creator. You have a very successful podcast, and you now have about 11 or 12 podcasts yeah. um, at the company. Why is podcasting having this moment now? I felt like, it, you know, I've been, I actually celebrated my 10-year anniversary with the pod, which, you know, initially I was doing in my office and this little rinky-dink machine, and now it's turned into uh, everything sounds much more professional. I could see it happening in 2009, um, you know, in 2010, where people were telling me they were working out with them and, you, and listening to them on their commute and things like that. And it just made sense. And you kind of had them trapped. So from an advertising standpoint, you know, if they're listening to it and all of a sudden I'm doing a read for a sponsor, they have to, oh, I got, I got to fast forward. Like, they're not going to do that. They're going to listen to it. And I think the sponsors eventually realized that. And that's when it became... A bigger deal. I, I mean, at this point, everybody. Do you have a podcast? I know, but I want one. <laughs> I think almost everybody has a podcast <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, it's about time that I go in. So, um, you have your you write a lot. You have a bunch of writers. Yeah. Seventy employees now, um, and your big push this year is going to be video. What's your yeah. plan for video? So, you know, we were waiting for original content to matter a little bit more with places like Facebook and. Twitter and, and people like that, because there was this weird fad with live, which basically 90% of the time was just guys in their couches just rambling with, with some camera that was 25 feet away. Uh, and now I think it seems like everybody's making a more concerted effort to, to kind of invest and find good content. And I think what Facebook is doing right now, where they basically abandoned live, I mean, they haven't really said it explicitly, but I think that's what they're doing. And they're into original content, 30-minute videos, 10-minute videos, 3-minute videos, well-produced. That's really exciting. I think that's going to lead to some, some good things. So is Facebook the next big video platform? I mean, you do have 5.8 million Twitter followers. Yeah. Do you I'm, not gi- I'm not giving up on Twitter. I, I still feel like if it's the first place you stop in the morning, that's got to matter. And for a lot of people, it is. It's, you saw what happened last night with, what was it, Covfefe? How do we pronounce it? I found out about that on Twitter. I enjoyed it for the next hour. I enjoyed the hashtags, the jokes, the memes. And I, where else are we going to get that? I, everybody keeps trying to kick dirt on Twitter. I think Twitter made a, a, just an incredible number of mistakes um, for a long period of time. And now it seems like they're starting to figure out who they are and what they want to be. And what they should be is a content engine. And that's what Facebook is, and that's what Amazon Prime is, that's what Netflix is. All these content engines are gonna win. But when it comes to the Ringer producing video content, you're putting yeah. on Facebook more. No, I, w- I would, Facebook, Twitter, we're, we're ready, we're available. Multi-platform. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask about ESPN. We've just yeah. another round of layoffs. What would your advice be to John Skipper right now? That's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, 
You know, it's, it was interesting reading the, I almost have too much inside information on it because I was there and I was privy to a lot of conversations and information. I, I really think the genesis of it, people talk about the NFL deals and the NBA deals and stuff like that. They're so expensive. They didn't realize the cord cutters were coming. It's technically true, but those NFL and NBA deals are the most important assets they have. They would do those deals 100 times out of 100. For me, it's, uh, it's more of a leadership thing where, you know, when I was there, especially from 2009 to 2013, ESPN was, was just an awesome place to work and really cared about content and creating stuff and, and doing quality stuff. And the biggest reason for that was Skipper because he was in charge of the content. Bodenheimer, who's a legend, was in charge of the business. And they worked together. And George handled all the business stuff. He didn't care about content. Skipper took George's job, but he never replaced himself. And what he tried to do was basically a bullpen by committee with, you know, six, seven, eight inner circle people kind of trying to do his job. And the thing is, he was great at his job. And, you know, if you're a baseball fan, when you lose your closer and the team says, hey, we have all these setup guys are going to be the closer, like it never works. Uh, and I think that's what they did. And, and they didn't see a lot of this coming. Like they didn't. They didn't see the cord cutting coming. I know for a fact I was there. Summer 2014, they had bet that the subs would go a certain way, and they just didn't. They went this way, and they weren't ready for it. And a lot of the decisions they made um, were based on the subs staying at a certain level. And I also think the other mistake they made was they had to realize that they were a technology company. They always thought of themselves as a broadcasting network. But where the world is going is, is you have to be a technology company. And the ones that are winning now are Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and Hulu, all these places. ESPN should have been in that mix, but they're in Bristol. Um, they're over here. It's, really, it's harder for them to get technology guys or, and girls. And I think they should have had a place in Silicon Valley. I think that was their biggest mistake. But Disney invested in BAM Tech. They're working on a, right. a streaming service that's going to launch. But later think about this what year. you just said, though. They spent like $350 million on, on BAM, right, to get a share. Mm -hmm. They could have just created BAM. Disney made like $7 billion in revenue in 2013. Like they could have been at the forefront with some of this stuff. And instead, they're kind of belatedly trying to catch up because of the decisions they made. So do you think a streaming ESPN service, the one that's launching this year, but not, it's not a total ESPN channel, it's something, it's like a different package of content. Will that work? It's fine. I mean, ESPN's not going under. It's yeah. funny to watch people try to pour dirt on them. It's, so they're going to make $6 billion instead of eight. Like They'll be fine. I think the, the issue for them is their cable deals are so good that there's no way they will ever replicate. You know, Just everybody in here five years ago was paying $7 or $6 for ESPN, whether they watched it or not. And now people have flipped the equation. They're like, I'm going to pay for Netflix. I don't want cable. Speaking of Netflix, um, oh, we're almost out of time. I just have to ask you a yeah. last question. We have Amazon buying rights to NFL games. Yeah. And we have Facebook streaming baseball games. What's, what's this going to do to the industry? Now that you have all I, these digital players trying to get into the streaming. I think it's going to well. be Amazon, Netflix, Google, and Facebook deciding everything, including what we're wearing in like five years. Uh, I just think those are going to be the sports rights. People so they'll buy the, they'll buy so the sports money. rights once they expire with the traditional Look players. at what Netflix did with stand-up comedy. They were just like, hey, we like stand-up comedy. We're just buying it. We're buying everybody. We're, we're getting every single stand-up co comedian. And they just did it. And the, eventually they're going to look at the NBA or the NFL, and they're going to be like, hey, we like the NFL. We're just buying it. We, we, we want everything. 
and that'll be it, and it'll be over. So, you know, I think. Uh, is that good? And ready. then, last question: Is that good or bad for consumers, for sports fans? I, as long as it's part of my Amazon Prime, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry we're out of time. I could keep uh, interviewing you all day, um, but thanks so much, and congratulations on the Vox deal. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. 